Amen. All right. Um, we're going to start in Matthew 11 today. We're going to start in Matthew 11. Um, today and next Sunday, I want to do a, a two-part message. And if you can um, help me with this, I don't often uh, do this quite in this way. And here's what I mean. Today's talk would not be complete without next Sunday's. And next Sunday's would not be complete without today's. So if you know somebody that couldn't make it today, make sure that you mention to them to listen to it on the website or on iTunes. Um, That's why we put that up there for you. And then vice versa. You may be here this morning and you can't make it next Sunday. You know, we have people that have to work and different things come up, travel, whatnot. Will you just help me and love on each other, encourage each other and let each other know, hey, you can't, one is not complete without the other. Is that okay? Now, that being said, I don't want you to get intimidated about this because this is, this is one of those topics that um, is huge, And this is one of those topics that I would really prefer if I could sit down with you um, over coffee, because nothing is complete with me without coffee. Uh, You wouldn't have to drink any if you don't want to, Joe. But um, I I would rather to sit down with you over coffee and really let this be a conversation, let this be a dialogue. I'd really rather it have time to breathe, time for questions, time for understanding. Uh, And I hope I'm I'm getting your attention a little bit this Sunday. This is one of the most important things that we're going to talk about all year. Um, And this is also very simple. And so it'd be easy for you to just kind of turn your mind off. You know what I'm talking about? I know. I sat there too. It's real easy to just kind of, oh, it's a simple concept. I get it. I got that when I was nine years old and to just turn your brain off. I want to encourage you to not do that. I want to ask you to engage your spirit, to engage your mind and to ask God what more he would like to help you learn and how he would like to help you grow. Does that sound okay? Okay. Um, Forgiveness is possible with Jesus. Forgiveness is possible with Jesus. All right? It, it is. Forgiveness is possible with Jesus. You know, we have kids and we have a real life, and so it's not all that uncommon that I will hear drama coming from the other room, and I will say, Save that drama for your mama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I hear drama coming from the other room, and how many of you ever walked into an argument or discussion? Uh, heated discussion between kids and all of a sudden they're each presenting their case simultaneously and they're presenting their case and as as is normally human nature not my kids but some kids will then present their case kind of exaggerating or making very big what the other person did and how they feel about it and maybe not mentioning or making small what they did to contribute oh did you smack them in the face well well yeah Okay, so maybe then the response that you're describing had something to do with something that you did. Live a little life and we're going to have opportunity to forgive. Right? Live a little bit of life and we're going to have opportunity to forgive. There's no one in this room that wants to live their life being hurt, angry, lonely, and tired. And yet clinical research shows that those are symptoms of unforgiveness. 
Did you catch that? No one wants to be hurt, angry, lonely, tired, but the results of unforgiveness in our life, both not receiving forgiveness and not giving forgiveness, is that we end up hurt, angry, lonely, tired. No one wants to be lonely, right? We all want to have life-giving relationships. We all, all want to be in relationships. Until you live some life, then you don't want any more relationship. You know what I'm talking about? Let's go to uh, Jesus' words in Matthew 11. I'd like to read uh, verses 28 through 30 to you. And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, or take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. A couple Sundays ago in our church anniversary, we were talking about the vision of our church, and we were talking a little bit about how um, Psalm 107, this picture of God's people entering rest is a huge part of what we want this church to be and helping people find rest that really only comes through salvation. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about a nap. One of my favorite comedians is Jeff Garland, and Jeff is famous for loving naps and bowls of pudding. That may sound like heaven to you, but that's not exactly what Jesus is talking about. But he is talking about us coming to spiritual rest. I'd like to go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you hit Colossians, you've gone too far. Philippians chapter 2, and I'd like to read verses 12 to 13. You guys okay? No, but you're all right? Okay. I know that uh, forgiveness is an emotionally charged issue. I know that it's uh, simple but also complex, and so you may already be feeling a little sensitive, emotional, or dark and twisty on the inside it's okay forgiveness is possible with jesus philippians 2 chapter uh, chapter 2 verses 12 through 13 dear friends you always followed my instructions when i was with you and now that i'm away it is even more important work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying god with deep reverence and fear for god is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him Anyone remember what we talked about last Sunday? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Our salvation and this coming into spiritual rest is something that is in us. It is something about submitting to God, releasing, letting go, receiving the forgiveness of God, a simple decision of letting go. But it does also take action. And so we can at times put exert great force. We can at times be kind of like this couple trying to row a sailboat. We can at times go through life where we're striving, we're working, we're exerting great effort and we're not getting anywhere. We're heavy, we're weighed down, we're weary, we're tired, we're exhausted. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And yet both in this, uh, in Matthew 11, 
28-30 with Jesus' words, Come to me, you who are weary. He also speaks of action and response on our part. And Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Philippians 2, 12-13, is talking about work out the results of your salvation. There is yet stuff for us to do. There is yet a response from us. And we can even get our hands down in the water and be trying to get progress in life. But Jesus wants to come with the forgiveness of the Father and say, let me show how to you, let me show you how to make some progress in life. Let me show you how to work these sails. Let me show you how to do life that's not out of your own strength, but out of the strength of the Father. Sir Jesus wants to come to us. Show us how to get some real progress. I believe that what we really believe about God's forgiveness for us affects our happiness and affects how we forgive others. What we really believe on the inside about God's forgiveness for us affects our happiness and it affects how we forgive others. So what, what is this forgiveness? What does God really say? Those of you that are taking notes, whether you're thumb punching it into your phone or you're writing stuff down, is I think we should always be learning. Here's some scripture references we've already done. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and let's, let's investigate what God's forgiveness for us means and how it works. Does that sound good? With me? All right, I wish this was a coffee conversation. It's been a little too long since I've had my coffee this morning. Because this is the kind of thing that you need to ask questions about. This is the kind of thing that you don't believe just in an instant, but take some time to learn and grow. Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians, let me get to the right place. Chapter 2, verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace you have been saved. Verses 8 and 9. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now let's go to 1 John. 1 John, actually the whole letter, it's back towards the back, close to Revelation. You're working way back, Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 1st John really um, could be read for you to learn about God's forgiveness of you, and also for you, if you ever have this question, how do I know that I've been forgiven? 1st uh, John uh, is an easy way to learn that. Let's go 1st John chapter 1 and verse 9. But if we confess our sins to him and he's speaking of jesus if we confess our sins to him he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness he doesn't say if some of you he doesn't say if you jews he doesn't say if this group that group he doesn't say you guys he doesn't say you ladies it is available to all of us 
Remember, we're trying to learn more about God's forgiveness, how it works, what it means. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Uh, chapter 4 and verse 10. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. This is a good one. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And that your Bible might use the word propitiation, that He might be the propitiation of our sins. And what that word means is literally a turning away of wrath or anger by sacrifice. Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus' sacrifice for us, brings the Father His love for us, His forgiveness of us, it literally is a legal process that occurs where because of Jesus and what He did, it turns away the wrath of God and the anger of God towards our sin. It turns it away from us because of His sacrifice. That's what's happening. So quite literally, here's two ways we can describe what happens with God's forgiveness of us. God's forgiveness of us removes our guilt. You see, we are born into sin. Paul writes to the Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You might, your baby might be beautiful, but your baby is sinful. Just give it some time to grow up, you'll see. So before we even left the hospital with Charlotte, and she was an infant, I was I love you, I love you, I love you. You're a sinner and you need Jesus. I started speaking the truth over her. She didn't understand, you know. We're born into it. You can thank Adam and Eve for that, right? So just relax a little bit. Lighten up. It, it, you were born into it. You can't help it, right? We shouldn't get as down on ourselves as we do. do you, are you with me? You hearing what I'm saying? We are born into it. Thanks to Adam and Eve and their sin, we are born into sin. And yet what God does is that both the legal guilt of the punishment that we deserve through Jesus, when we confess our faith in Him, when we repent and confess faith, those are the two elements throughout Scripture that you cannot remove from the salvation experience. It is a repentance and a confession of faith that in that moment, God removes the guilt of our sin. God in His grace who sent His Son Jesus who would live a blameless life. Jesus, 100% human, 100% divine, who came to this earth, was tempted in every way that we have been tempted and yet lived pure. He was without sin. He lived the life that we could not live and then He died the death that we cannot die because we are all sinners. We can't die for the sin of somebody else because we're sin. Two kids in a mud puddle can't clean each other. It takes somebody clean. Jesus came as the one true clean one and he paid the price. Now here's something that's important to note about God's forgiveness for us. God had the price paid so that everyone could be forgiven of sin. That's God's forgiveness. He removed our guilt. He now, when we repent and confess our faith in Jesus, only looks at us through the price that Jesus paid. That's what it means. He removes the guilt. 
And God's commitment was that anyone who would turn to him could be saved. Now, the truth is that not everyone is saved. Jesus described very clearly that one day when we die, when he returns, there will be people that will come to him that will claim great, righteous, religious acts. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. They won't be forgiven in hell. Jesus actually talked about hell more than he talked about any other single subject. Because he doesn't want you to go there. Because the fact of the matter is that God's commitment of forgiveness is for everyone. But not everyone receives it. And so ultimately, legally, morally, not everyone is forgiven. We are foolish if we believe that everyone's good and everyone's going to go to heaven. In fact, God... Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, said, hey, even the demons of hell believe that there's a God and they won't be in heaven. Just simply believing that there is a God is not enough. The truth of the matter is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. So God's commitment of forgiveness is to everyone and it is a commitment. It is not out of his emotions. Are we learning? This is important now. Remember, I'm learning about God's forgiveness because it affects how I forgive others. So God doesn't go by his feelings. He made a commitment. He made a decision. And his commitment was that he would remove our guilt and that he would restore our relationship. Another mistake that we make is when we think that this Christian life is just about me attending an event where I feel better, where I now mentally check the box. Okay, I'm clean. I'm forgiven of my past. And then we just live our life. No! God's forgiveness had a purpose. A purpose of restoring our relationship with Him. Because our relationship with Him has purpose. Because in Him we have identity. In Him we have purpose. In Him we have stuff to live for. Things to do. There is something yet to be done in this life. This Christian life is not just, I'm going to come and feel better and then mentally check out of the rest of my life. No, no, that's not why God sent his son to die on a cross just so that you can be made clean. There is purpose in this relationship with him. So let's, let's, I have made an effort to study this in scripture and I want to give us a working definition of God's forgiveness based on scripture. You okay with that? Okay. God's forgiveness is a commitment to pardon graciously those who repent and believe so that they are reconciled to Him. It's not so that you can be forgiven and then you go live in another room because God doesn't want to live with you. See, that's some of what we do sometimes. Okay, God, you forgive me, but I still feel dirty. I still feel, we don't live by our feelings. I feel dirty. I still feel like I'm far from God. Or as Bono's been singing lately, I feel far from Calvary. I feel far from God. And so I'm going to go live over here in this other room. No, God didn't send His Son to die on the cross so that we would live keeping ourselves separate from the only true source of love, hope, peace, and joy. 
God wants us to live life to the full, to be happy, to be healed, to be strong, to be forgiven, to be restored in our relationship with Him. It initiates a process of reconciliation. God's forgiveness for us, it is a commitment to pardon graciously. It is giving us good that we don't deserve. To pardon graciously those who repent and believe so that they are reconciled to Him. But let's not, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived in Germany during Hitler's time, talked about how the demise of the church is what it was actually, believe it or not, church leaders that had political power that gave Hitler the ability to rise to power in Germany. And Bonhoeffer wrote that he believed that it was because they had come to, in a lazy way, in a a, a way that was shallow, that was cotton candy, popcorn Christianity, not teach the truth of Scripture and lead believers to a functional understanding of cheap grace. Let's not have a cheap grace understanding. God's grace for us cost Him everything. I don't know what would happen if God asked me to sacrifice my son. God forgiving you didn't come easy. It wasn't cheap. It was costly. But he was happy to do it, to watch his son, to have to turn himself away from his son, to literally see a breaking of his relationship with his son when the sin of all mankind was poured on Jesus on the cross. God went through all of that happily so that he could extend grace to you, those who would repent and believe. The offer is to everyone, but not everyone is forgiven. Not everyone fulfills that transaction, is living in true forgiveness. Like it or not, believe it or not, there will be some in hell who Jesus paid the price for, but ultimately do not receive the forgiveness of God and in hell will not be forgiven. God's commitment is to everyone, anyone who would believe. No matter how horrible their life, no matter how we feel about them, God's commitment is to everyone, anyone who would repent, anyone who would believe. It's a commitment. God doesn't go based on His feelings. And God has feelings. Read the Bible. God has feelings. God's forgiveness of us is quite literally this uh, cute little old preacher acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. It's God's riches. God pouring out for us eternal life. Peace and joy with Him. God pouring out eternal life, the good that we don't deserve. And it came at Christ's expense. When we come to the communion table... When we speak to Jesus, we should speak with words of meaning. It should fire our emotions. It should stir our hearts. It's something that we get to do, not something that we have to do. Are you with me? That's the way God's forgiveness works. And what it should do is bring you to a place of being restored, of being happy, of being full of joy. I want to look at this quote that I think some people really struggle to understand. John Piper, Desiring God, a great book you can pick up, said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied 
in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 10 says, How then shall we overcome if we ignore so great a salvation? See, one of the main reasons that this church exists is to help you receive salvation, digest what that means, and apply it to your life because it will be a life-changing event. If you are saved, you know that you know that you know. It is a transformative experience. It is a life-altering, transformative experience that comes through Jesus, that comes through you receiving the forgiveness that you don't deserve, that is every day, no matter how you woke up, no matter how you spent the night, no matter how you feel, no matter how you lived, God's forgiveness poured out at you. His riches poured out upon you because Jesus paid the price for you. That's got to start to change your personality. It starts to almost like a brainwashing, almost like a complete transformation of how you think, of how you feel, of what you see when you look in the mirror because you begin to realize that God paid the ultimate price for you, that you are precious to Him, that He designed you with purpose, that you are created in His image, that He loves you, that He would not hold back, that He would not shrink back, that He would not wake up on a manic Monday and decide, oh, I won't forgive him today come on a joy should be fired up within you now as we go through this life there are times where we need to open up our bibles and learn more about what our salvation means Remind ourselves, it's why we gather on Sunday mornings and in homes for life groups. Because we all need a reminder of what this salvation thing is. And we all need to learn more about what this salvation thing is. And we will be most satisfied. We will have maximized joy in our life when we are ever tasting and seeing that He is good. When we are ever digesting the truth and applying it to our lives. Applying the truth of the gospel is why I'm here for you to help you learn how to do it see not in a moment do you realize that following jesus is both right and best see god created the whole world and if i'm not going to come to the god who created the whole world who chose to reveal himself through his son and through the scripture of which no academic or historian has been able to legitimately disprove If I'm not going to come to the one true God who created the world, what a fool am I? He created the world. He can stop you breathing at any moment. He chose to reveal himself to us through Jesus. This forgiveness of sins. He loves me, forgives me every day. Every day he loves me, he forgives me. So it is right that I follow Jesus. It glorifies God when I follow Jesus. And it is the best thing for me. When I'm following Jesus, I will be in my happiest. Consistent, strong, healthy, helping other people. It is both right and best. See, receiving God's forgiveness, receiving this forgiveness, it's a daily response. And it changes you from the inside out. And there are aspects of it that take a while that take a while for us to realize or take a while for us to grow up and and change but it is from the inside out god looks at the the heart 
Man looks on the inside. This following Jesus thing is from the inside out. And the truth of the matter is, is that when I'm following God, when I'm following Jesus, I serve him as Lord. Whoever created me gets to be my boss. Right? He gets to be my boss. And guess what? He's a good boss because he forgives my mess. His name Yahweh, he is creator and redeemer. I serve a good God. God is Lord. And the Bible is the source material. Right? It's how he revealed himself to us. It's our source material. Do you know that the answers to the questions of your life, it's like Campbell's soup. It's in there. It's in there. It's an inexhaustible resource. If God is Lord and the Bible is our source material, it's what we should go to. And so, as it's our source material, it is where we repent, where we confess faith, and where we devote ourselves to Him. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So kind of bring this to a close today. Isn't God good? Oh, he's so good. Purpose. Why does God forgive us? There is purpose. There is purpose. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to read verses 17 through 21. I've got to turn the page so I can do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 17 through 21. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Do you know that you're a new person? You don't have to be the person that people said you were when you were a kid. Hello? You're a new person. The old is gone. Oh wait, that's what it says. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead to people, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. People, this, this is the purpose of God's forgiveness of you. You've got life with a purpose. You're God's ambassadors. You have both the message and the ministry of reconciliation, bringing other people back to right relationship with Jesus. There is a purpose. I want to close in prayer, but before I do, before we move, in preparation for next Sunday... And you jot these verses down, and I'd like for you to read these verses this week in preparation for part two of our exciting time together. How many of you are willing to do a little Bible reading during the week? Come on, somebody. Let's learn more about God, our relationship with God. A few simple verses for us to read. Now listen, we don't have a whole lot of time left this morning. But we need to pray. We've got to pray every time we gather. Prayers for everyone. Kelly said it so well this morning. 
Prayers for everyone. Prayers for everyone. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. Maybe it's time for you to pray a salvation prayer. Maybe it's time for you to ask God to help you understand better His forgiveness of you. What it means to be restored. What it means to have guilt taken away. What it means to be reconciled in relationship with Him and His purpose. So will you stand with me and let's close our time in prayer this morning. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where your spirit is, where your heart is today. But here's what I do know. That if you confess your sins, He's faithful to forgive you. That in Him you are new. A new life has begun. And guess what? That's not just a one-time occurrence in your life. Every day, God wants you to follow Jesus. Every day, God has forgiveness for you. Every day. We should be quick to receive. Quick to receive. God doesn't punish us to make us feel bad. Do you know that? The Bible makes it clear. Because God doesn't always remove every consequence when He forgives sin. But when God allows consequence in our life, it's to teach us. It's to guide us. So if you're just flogging yourself emotionally, that's unhealthy. That's not Jesus following. We should be quick to receive His forgiveness and then to put a smile on our face and to receive His joy in this fresh start. Amen? So here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray... For those that need to receive Jesus for the first time, we need to pray for those that need to come back to Him. But we also want to pray that God would help us to receive His forgiveness, to understand it, and to learn how to forgive others by it. Are you with me? Okay. If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat this simple prayer after me. And let's, let's all, in every believer, let's just repeat this simple prayer, help them, make them feel more comfortable. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I confess my sins. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn away from the past and I turn to You. Thank You. God, we thank You. Lord, for any person that's praying that prayer for the first time today, Lord, for those that are coming back to You, coming back to a commitment to You. We pray that You would strengthen them today, that You would help them to believe, to think, to understand, and to feel Your forgiveness, that You would give them strength to make that declaration of faith in You and to truly repent, to truly change their course of action, to follow You with all that they've got. Lord, for every one of us, I ask that you would help us to understand your forgiveness and what it really means. Help us to receive it, to submit, to let it go, to let go of our past, to let go of where we have come to think of certain sins as a part of our identity and who we are. Help us to let it go, to confess it, 
to receive your forgiveness, to receive your love, and to turn away from that past and to turn to you. God, I also ask that you would help us to fully digest your forgiveness, to receive it completely, to come to faith that you have made us new, to come to faith that you make us clean, that the old is gone and that a new life has begun. Help us, Lord, to have faith in you to receive your forgiveness, that it would be a transformative experience in our life to really change us. And then God, to have the faith that through you and your help, through what you are doing in us, because Lord Jesus, you said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. And Lord, you encourage us to work out our salvation, that you would help us to receive your forgiveness and to be giving it to others, to be committed to graciously pardoning everyone. I thank you. Thank you that you're helping us grow. Help us to understand your word and what you're saying to us today. Help us to grow, help us to change, and to love you evermore. Let us know your joy today. Let us believe that you are most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with you. In Jesus' name, amen.